Welcome back, Ram fans. I'm Vinny Bonsignoro along with my athletic colleague, Rich Hammond. And this is 11 Personnel, your Rams podcast. And we've got a game to talk about. The Rams open their season in Charlotte. Hot, sticky, humid Charlotte. Uh, got away, got back home with a 30-27 to 27, uh, win, hard-fought win. It was kind of sloppy offensively. Todd Gurley came to life late in the game. I uh, thought a really good overall performance by the defense, all things considered. The Rams are 1-0 headed home to play the New Orleans Saints. That's the most important thing. Obviously, we got a lot to, to dig into in this game, some good, some bad. Uh, but without further ado, I'd like to bring in Rich Hammond, uh, my, my the athletic colleague. Rich, how you doing? I'm doing good, Vinny. It's good to be with you. It's weird that you're so far away from me, but, uh, but through the miracle of technology, uh, here we are. So yeah, I was able to watch the the whole game and uh you know first games are just weird i I think they're probably the least predictable out of any game because you just don't know it's been so long since anybody's played you know these coaches have had so long to game plan for each other I, i don't know whether they do that or not i don't know how much emphasis they put on the first game versus you know any other but it's 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 been the next one on the schedule for like what five months now so you know a lot of planning goes into it I thought it was okay, you know. I, if I had to grade it, I'd probably go B minus, all things considered. Um, like you said, wins a win, but you know, you were there, Vinny. You you were in the locker room um, after the game. I think you know sometimes the players' faces and, and emotions kind of tell the tale better than than we could. Uh, what did what did you read from them? You know, based on their reactions, were they happy? Were they frustrated? Maybe a little bit of both. I mean, what what were their takeaways from it? Yeah, I didn't sense any frustration. I think that, uh, you know, having been around the team uh, yourself, I think you you, you know that uh, this is a group probably like, you know, most other NFL teams. When you win in the NFL, especially on the road, uh, it's, it's a good day. I, I honestly don't care uh, how it comes about. Obviously, you want it to be, uh, you know, smooth sailing the entire way, but that rarely ever happens. I think it's good when uh, adversity comes, you know, sets in. I, I think it's a good thing when you got to figure out different ways to go about it. Uh, certain things aren't working. You got to find answers because you're going to have to be tested that way during the regular season, as we found out last year in the playoffs often. And you have to have those answers. Um, you're right. There was, you know, uh, a long time to think about this game from both ends. Uh, I, I think that, you know, the Rams were uh, a little bit behind the eight ball a bit because the Panthers changed their defense and there wasn't a lot of film uh, of, of this new 3-4, uh, you know, Panthers defense that they're that they're running. Um, so a, a, a new defense to, to game plan for a, a, an opponent that they rarely ever see. That's the other thing. You know, it's one thing when you when you go up to San Jose to play the 49ers or to Seattle to play the Seahawks in a season opener type thing or the Cardinals or teams that you see quite often. But when it's one of those teams like the Panthers that, uh, you know, I know I think they saw them, what, in 2016 was the last time. But obviously the Rams have changed, you know, remarkably since then. It's just tough, you know, when you go out of com- or go out of division uh, and go on the road. There's going to be some bumps and some learning experiences, especially for a first game. So, no frustration. Uh, definitely not satisfied. Happy with the win. Happy with how Todd Gurley finished it up uh, with with the bang. And there was, uh, you know, got a chance to talk to a lot of people about that. And uh, there was genuine, you know, happiness for him, satisfaction for him, relief uh, for him. Although the players that I talked to were like. 
dude, we've been telling you he's fine. Uh, you know, we see him day in and day out, and we've been seeing him since OTAs. There's nothing wrong with the knee that we see. Um, he's good to go. Uh, but obviously, I think we saw that he was used differently, and I think he's going to be used differently, and I think that's a, a good thing, and I'll kind of get into that uh, a little bit more um, later on. But, you know, definitely not an A. Uh, I'm probably with you, C plus, B minus, but good enough to win a football game, an NFL season opener on the road, and, and again, that's always a good thing. Right, and, you know, I, I think on the last podcast I, I mentioned the Oakland game last year, and kind of you look at it and go, well, you know, sometimes first games you get that kind of sputtering a little bit, and, and I thought about that, and, and I thought about it as I was watching the first half today, you know, it was or, you know during the game was uh, a little bit of that at the start, I thought. You're just a little bit out of sync. These guys hadn't been in preseason games, you know, whatever you want to read into that. I don't know whether you should or shouldn't, but it, it has to be some kind of factor. Um, so a little bit of a slow start, and then you started to see it come on a little bit more. So I know we'll get into a little bit more detail. Um, I think we can we can both pat ourselves on the back a little bit. We both did predict, uh, you know, Rams victories. I uh, I said it was going to be twenty four twenty one. I think you said it was going to be twenty seven seventeen. So we, we were both pretty close there in terms of the the score <laughs> yeah. margin and uh, you know the total points of what kind of style of, of a game it would be. You know, it got a little got a little sideways there from the for the Rams a couple times when you get that block punt and, and things that you don't expect, but. Uh, all in all, Vinny, I think a good week for us. So, so, so I'll take that. But, but my question, I have a little bit of a concern here, Vinny. Do we need to change the name of the podcast because we call it eleven personnel because the Rams run eleven personnel more than anybody else in the NFL? And what do they do today? Is this like Sean McVay? Is he trolling us? Like, what is he doing by you know all of a sudden going to four wide and and uh, you know changing the whole personnel? Like, should are we should we be concerned here? Um, actually, I think it's a good thing. Uh, it's you know his evolution a little bit uh, as, as a coach, and I, I saw a lot of you know what was what what was probably to come a little bit during training camp and OTAs. I saw how they were mixing and matching um, their personnel groupings. They did a lot of stuff that's designed to combat heavy pass rushes and zone defenses. If you noticed, there were a lot of uh, type patterns where guys would just run to spots, turn around, sit, and Jared Goff would try to get them the ball. Uh, a lot of shorter yardage type, you know, concepts. And we all know that they've been a uh, you know down the field attacking type of a type of an offense. And I still think that they will, um, you know, resume that and and continue to be that. But as last year showed in certain games, you can't always rely on that. And if you can't block it, and if the and if if you're not running zone type you know concepts uh to, to beat zone type defenses you're going to be in for a long day and, I, and the rams experienced that a couple of times so i think uh you know yes they're going to be they're going to do a lot they're going to play 11 personnel but i think you're going to see much more of what we saw today uh some some versatility and some diversity uh which is probably a good thing but i, I think it's going to lead to a little bit of a learning curve uh i think we saw a little bit of that today you could call it rust if you want to, or maybe just you know there's a there's a new phase of the offense that they're that they're breaking in, and we saw that today. Uh, it goes from every everything from how they use Todd Gurley to uh, how they line people up to some of their schemes that they were running to some of their personnel groupings that they were running. So and and here's the other thing: it's a 16 game season. Um, you know, I don't think that you know you get wins now any way you can get it. Before you really start hitting your stride, I think it's unrealistic to think teams should be hitting their stride right now anyway. 
Um, but yeah, you know, uh, 11 personnel, we're going to stick with it because uh, I still think that the Rams are going to be heavy that. Uh, but there's also going to be uh, a lot more of a lot of other things, and we saw that today. We saw that yesterday, I should say. All right, we'll we'll stay with it for at least another week before we <laughs> before we panic. But you know, Vinny, I thought there was a good, great point you made there about um, Jared Goff and maybe the the style of offense they they ran today. So uh, you know, I want to circle back to that in a little bit. But I, I think we probably need to start with Todd Gurley just because we've been talking about this now for what, since uh, November, December, maybe early December, you know, what, what this was going to look like and kind of how the, yep. how the future was going to be. So just to, you know, just to kind of lay it out for people, I'm, I'm sure most everybody listening watched the game, but 14 carries, 97 yards, uh, no touchdowns on the ground, uh, one catch on only one target. Uh, a four-yard catch, I, b- I believe, was pretty early on, and that was it. Um, my unofficial count, these the st- official stats will come out a little bit later, but I tried to keep track. I had him on the field for 51 of the 72 offensive plays. Um, that could be a little bit off. I wouldn't wager any money on it, but I, I think it's pretty close, which would be 70.8% of the plays. That is down. Uh, last year, he played 86% of the plays in the regular season, and in 2017, he played about 81%. So a little bit of a drop, um, you know, on a per-game basis. You're not talking about a whole lot of drop, but some. So, uh, you know, it's it's a weird, when I look at his game, Vinny, it's like, it's kind of like modern art to me. I'm not exactly sure what I'm looking at, <laughs> because I, I look at it and go, wow, only, you know, only 14 carries, only 15 touches. Uh, but at times there, and particularly late in the game when they really needed him, he looked strong. He was getting those tough yards. He, he looked like the Todd Gurley we know with that kind of dynamic push and and uh, you know breaking through and, and making plays. So I, I looked at part of the game and thought, uh oh, you know what's going on here? And then you get to those kind of clutch moments, and um, you know he was there, and he he gave him those big first downs and those big yards yardage that that they really needed. So. I mean, what's your takeaway here? What what should we what should we think about this? Is this just kind of the new normal? Like, is this just kind of what we should expect now in, in terms of of Todd's usage? Uh, you know, not always. Uh, I think that there'll be times when he gets you know more than fourteen carries. Um, I don't think you're going to see twenty five, thirty, uh, or anything like that. And, you know, uh, and this is in my story um, in, in the Athletic. Uh, if you want to go check it out, but um, you know. Finally, I somebody on the record, you know, with the with the Rams, and and it's been bandied about, you know, um, on background and just whatever, you know, just kind of scuttlebutt uh, here and there. But Andrew Whitworth basically said, "Look, man, he was overused. <laughs> All right, we 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 pounded him, and probably too much. Okay, in the over the last couple of years, and there's total statistics to back that up." In terms of his usage and how it was more than anybody else, I think even Les Snead told me one time that, you know, based on their GPS device system that they have on players, he's probably you know uh, covered more ground than any player in the NFL or used been used you know more than any offensive player in the NFL. All that stuff adds up. And what Andrew Whitworth told me today was he's like you know and he, he brought up Tom Brady. He's like, look, no, all respect for how he's played for this long. He goes, but when I hear that he hasn't skipped a practice, I don't care. Doesn't you're not doing anything as a quarterback. You're not getting hit. You're not pounding. You're throwing the ball, and I respect it. But that's not what we do in the line as tight ends, as running backs. And you're getting hit, and you're cutting, and you're you know pounding, pounding, pounding. It takes a toll, and he feels like you know that 
is exactly what happened with Todd Gurley. He goes, so you got to figure out different ways to prolong yourself and to preserve yourself. And that's basically what the Rams are doing right now with Todd Gurley. And I give Andrew Whitworth a lot of credit for basically coming out and, and saying it. You know, this is something that they need to do. If they And, and if this, it, it, it's funny because if Sunday's game is kind of a blueprint for how it, how the season will go, when you think about it, when they need him the most, he was there, right, in, in late in the game. Yep. They want him to be there for them in December and January. And I don't think, even if he had gotten, let's say, 25 carries uh, Sunday, he would have been strong at the end of the game. As Jared Goff, you know, I, I asked him about Todd, and he's like, you know, he's just one of those guys that get, when everyone gets tired, he gets stronger. I wouldn't have expected anything different today, even if he had 25 carries, had like one of those typical Todd Gurley days. But it's not about just today. You know, he sure he could have done that and been just as strong as as he ever is. He's strong as an ox. He's a he's a you know, a, a, just a durable, great running back. But you use him like that, game in and game out. Come December and January, that's when you're really going to start feeling those effects. So, this is a long range plan that they have uh, in store for for Todd Gurley. We saw what it looked like a little bit today. I don't think that this is going to be the exact precise. Uh, you know, blueprint moving forward, but it's going to be along these lines. And I think that, hey, if you could average 6.9 yards per carry, he'll get his 100 yards uh, here and, and there. And you have a, a good back in Malcolm Brown, 11 carries, 53 yards, average 4.8 yards per carry. That's a good little balance right there. I expect Daryl Henderson to start emerging more in, in his role. But yeah, this is going to be more the norm uh, uh, rather than the exception. And I think that it has to be done because the Rams have, you know, big ambitions late in seasons, and they need Todd Gurley to complete those ambitions. I agree 100%. Here's my issue with it. What Andrew Whitworth told you, and I would certainly encourage everybody um, to go to the Athletic website or app and, and read Vinny's story, because there's some tremendous insight there from Andrew Whitworth. And the things that he says are the things that I wish Sean McVay would say, and frankly, the things I wish Todd Gurley would say. Uh, because I think it's honest, I think it's accurate, and I think it's correct in terms of exactly how they should be approaching it, exactly where Todd is right now, and exactly what's best for the Rams' offense. And I totally understand that you know somebody like Sean or even somebody like Todd is not going to sit in front of reporters and say, okay, guys, uh, here's our game plan. Here's exactly how we're going to use Todd Gurley. <laughs> like, I, I don't think that's the expectation, and I don't, I don't think it should be the expectation, but I, I think... You know, in this environment that we're in, where everybody wants to hyperanalyze everything that happens and does hyperanalyze everything that happens, it's maybe fed into it a little bit when, you know, Sean says, everything's fine, there's no pitch count, Todd looks like Todd, everything's the same. And then, you know, then it's not quite there. And I, I think everything, Vinny, that you've written and that we've talked about and you've talked about elsewhere has, you know, painted a pretty... Uh, complete picture of this thing that yeah there is a plan that they are going to have to manage them a little bit you know things are going to change but I, there's the part of me that just wishes that somebody other than Andrew Whitworth would come out and say yes this is the case you know we need to do this a little bit differently uh, because I, I think part of the problem here is you know some of the stuff Todd has has taken is really unfair and whether it's, it's commentators or hosts or whatever who you know want to bloviate and say Oh, Todd Gurley's done. He's never going to, you know, have success again. Well, you know, clearly that was not the case. I mean, he still has a lot left. But 
I think there's a difference between that and saying, well, yeah, you know, things are going to have to change here. It's not going to be the same Todd Gurley that you saw in 2017 or the same as 2018. And that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a negative. It's just that, you know, I, I, just, I wish that would be a little bit more open to where people would kind of say, yeah, that this is the right thing for Todd and this is the right thing for the Rams uh, to use him a little bit more like this. So I, I don't know, am I, am I being too harsh there? Or I, I just kind of wish for the sake of clarity, if nothing else, for, for fans, for whoever it might be, I, I just kind of wish that would be a little bit more upfront. No, I totally hear what you're saying, and, and a couple of things, uh, you know, before I before I kind of address, uh, you know, that end of it. Um, one thing that I that I tried to make clear in the story is this plan isn't to work around uh, an injury right now. Okay, right. it's to preserve a healthy Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley is healthy right now. Everyone that I've talked to, his teammates, who told me, look, we see him every day. We're seeing what you guys aren't seeing. You know, we see the conditioning drills. We see him in the weight room. We see him, you know, busting his ass basically day in and day out, being Todd cutting, explosive through the hole, flying through the hole. We see all that. So we're not surprised. We know. Okay, so, to, you know, make it clear. Now, it could be wrong, but it doesn't look to be I, – I think this is accurate to say that what this plan is has nothing to do with working around an existing injury or it's to preserve – the healthy Todd Gurley as long as possible this season uh, and and seasons to come. As far as I get what you're saying, I just don't expect it to ever quite happen like that. And I'll and I'll tell you why. Uh, there's a, there's other audiences that Sean McVay and, and Todd Gurley specifically, you know, uh, Sean McVay. And I, I also kind of think that Todd's probably talked to Sean McVay and asked him to maybe play it this way. Uh, that's just my gut feeling. Hmm. Uh, like like Sean might be you know adhering a little bit to, to Todd's wishes, which you know at the end of the day that's his player, that's one of those fifty three guys, uh, that's who he who whose back he really should have. But I also think there's not necessarily gamesmanship, but I don't think Todd, I don't think Sean's ever going to go on the record and say this is exactly how we're going to do it, um, or even imply it. Uh, number one, he's got opponents you know to to be concerned with and. And letting them play the guessing game and wonder just as long as just as much as the rest of us what's actually going to happen, how's it going to look? But then, but then also the minute he deviates from that, then we're going to be asking about it again. And now he's got to answer questions of why he didn't stick to the plan that he told told us last week that he was going to be on. So I think that there's preserving some flexibility so that he doesn't corner himself into saying something like this is how it's going to be, mm-hmm. and then also uh, leaving open the question so that opponents can be guessing about what that answer is. I, I can't argue with that, Vinny, because you're right. The first <laughs> time, the first, if he came out and said, this is kind of the new thing. And then the first time he yeah. gave him 25 carries, the, the next 10 questions would be about, are you overusing Todd Gurley? Are you that there? Right. I, I get that there, there is, there's a point to that. You as a, in a, as a coach, you, there's a certain amount of no win uh, in terms of the decisions that you make and, and the things that you say, but I don't know. I just, I feel I almost feel like from their perspective, it's it's you know they've had to answer these questions so often that I just wonder if shedding a little bit of light on it might might help in some way. But I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it's just uh, maybe it's the right thing to do. But I have one other question for you, Vinny, but specifically about Todd Gurley. Uh, and I've been wondering about this for a while, and I don't know whether it plays into this 
everything we've been talking about or not. But you remember 2017 when when he really came out and just you know went bonkers and offensive player of the year and everything else. He was catching so many passes, and that was a huge part of their offense was his ability to kind of get out in the flats there and and you know turn those little catches into 20, 30, 40 yard gains. You saw it fall off a little bit last year. Still, you know, pretty productive. And and I thought Vinny. As we thought all this through, I thought maybe that is going to be a part of this. Maybe it's if you do want to, however you want to say it, lighten that load a little bit, you know, preserve him. Maybe getting him out into space, throw, you know, throwing him screen passes or whatever it may be so that he's not having that heavy wear and tear, you know, running between the tackles all the time. Maybe that's a way. Uh, and today he had one target. So that's probably, <laughs> I guess it's not going to happen. At least it didn't happen today. Um, are you surprised about that at all? I, I, where do you see his role in the pass game? And, and do you think that factors in at all? Or is this just like you talk about a lot? Is this just kind of the evolution of the offense? A little bit of the evolution of the offense. And the, the, I, I want to say on the first play of the game, he lined up wide. They went empty yeah. and, he, and, and he lined up as a, as a wide receiver. He did that a couple of times. Uh, in the game, I'm looking at you know his stats from the last couple of years in 2017, 87 targets in 2018, 81 targets, but it, but he played one less game. Yeah. So um, it looked like they were probably right on line the last the, the last two years. You know he was getting over 80 looks uh, in both of those seasons. So um, I don't expect that. I, I think everything's going to come down a little bit. Uh, you know carries and and targets, uh, but. That's a good question. Like, how many, you know, eight, you know, what is he about six six targets per game? I guess five targets per game. Yeah. The last couple of years, that's probably I would say about three. I think I think um, I think when it all comes out in the wash, we're probably going to see about three targets per game. But it could go down even further than that. I mean, if today is, an, is any indication, now it could have been what Jared was seeing or not seeing. Um, it could have been the way he was being defended. Uh, I, I don't know. I'd have to, as Sean says, go look at the tape uh, again and, and really, you know, dig into that. But, but there's got to be some places where they're going to cut corners, and and whether it's you know run carries, which obviously yesterday he he, he carried what about four less than he normally does, right? Fourteen, yeah, yeah about eighteen to fourteen. Right. Uh, you're going to see some diminishing in the in the targets. I just don't know how many. I I don't think that it's going to be one though. I think it'll be more than. I think he'll get more than one target per game moving forward well speaking of targets uh let's talk about jared goff um my my takeaway just to be completely honest um before we started talking here my takeaway was that he wasn't very good uh, to be honest uh (laughs) Uh and so uh you know you look at the numbers 23 to 39 186 uh one touchdown one interception um you know okay he got the win I, i thought he was brilliant on that one drive when when he took him down the field um, other than that, frankly, I, I saw a little bit of tentativeness, and, and I, I don't know why. I, I didn't see him really kind of stepping into those throws and, and throwing them with authority and, and with purpose. And, and uh, part of what I was going to say, Vinny, is I didn't see him getting the ball down the field as much as we'd come to expect. But you raised a very good point, and something I want to explore here a little bit more is um, how much of that was by design. And, you know, we've become accustomed to seeing him – you know, throwing bombs to Brandon Cooks or, you know, hitting uh, Cooper Cup on the run over the middle and, and turning these, uh, you know, 15-yard catches into 30-yard catches and that sort of thing. So 
Um, what's the takeaway here? Was was he? Is there a little bit of a combination? Was he a little bit off? Was some of that by design? And and how do you think this evolves? I mean, is is this kind of what we should expect a little bit more from the Rams' offense in terms of countering some of the things that uh, the teams are trying to do against them? Or, or I mean, what's what's your takeaway from Jared? I, I think that you know uh, I hate to use the all of the above, but but it, but you know it's a little bit of all of the above, and I'll, I'll throw a couple of other things uh, in there as well. Uh, you know, number one, I, I think he, he took I, I know he took a shot to Brandon Cooks. He took another long shot to uh, Gerald Everett on a play where uh, the Panthers were offsides. He had a free play, he threw it long to uh, Gerald. Gerald, you know, just wasn't really looking. Um, you know, so it didn't they didn't connect on that. So he did take a couple of shots downfield, but I think a couple of things. Number one. Uh, there is some different um, schematic things that they're doing, uh, shorter routes to combat, again, you know, heavier pass rush, zone defenses, just find spots in, turn around, sit, and I'll get you the ball. So I, there's a lot more of those type of concepts than we've seen in the last couple of years. But I also think being on the road and two young offensive linemen against what's usually a really stout Panthers defense, uh, they play well at home. Uh, they, they, they're, they're usually really strong defensively. And I think that, you know, I, I, I think strong, Sean strategically decided, you know, let's, let, let's get these young offensive linemen, let's get their feet <laughs> wet a little bit before we start asking them to, you know, block for five, six seconds. Like, you know, because those plays take, take a while to, to unfold and you need to get it blocked uh, for, for those plays to develop or else you're going to get your quarterback teed off on. And I think early on, there was a little bit of slippage on the offensive line, and, and Jared was playing a little bit under pressure. I thought that got better as the game went on. So I think maybe he was you know, also looking at, hey, young offensive line, let's, let me not have to lean on him too much here in a, in a road game. We can play it a little bit more conservatively. They, they went heavy with the run, even though Todd only had the 14 carries. But you, know, you throw in the 11 for Malcolm. They ran really well. They ran it well, period. Uh, a high average, uh, we're able to con- control some clock uh, a- a- as well. So I-, I think maybe it was just kind of a combination of we're playing on the road. Let's not take too many chances. Let's let's play it carefully uh, and and give these young offensive linemen a little bit of a break before we start really leaning on them. And I expect them to to begin to do that. I thought that line actually got better during the game, um, and and I think that as the year goes on, you're going to start seeing them, um, you know, play and act more like the Rams offense that we that we know. Yeah, I'm glad you, you talked about that. The line play is always something that I think when you see it in person, it, it um, comes through a little bit more than, than watching it on TV. So I'm, I'm glad you uh, shared those insights. And, and I should say, you know, the stuff that we're talking about here in terms of the different routes and, and that sort of thing, I, I think that's very smart. And in fact, you know, the, the more I, you, you have such a long time to sit and think about the Super Bowl because it's the last game. And I remember, you know, thinking back on it and the way it was played and, and thinking, why didn't they do more of that? You know, when with, with what the Patriots were trying to take away, why didn't they just have guys, you know, sit or you know, throw to tight end or whatever it might be? And they did more of that today. So kudos uh, if that was actually the plan or, you know, actually a reaction or strategy or, or what might have you. Um, kudos to Sean, you know, for, for making those adjustments. And, uh, you know, now that'll put something else on film for uh, you know, future opponents to see and uh, maybe give them a little bit of a different look. Uh, we saw Tyler Higby get involved. Uh, we talked about him on the last podcast, and, and he comes up with a couple nice catches, uh, including a touchdown. Uh, we didn't see a whole lot of Gerald Everett. 
we saw a little bit of Josh Reynolds, and I'm not sure it's what Josh Reynolds wanted us to see. Uh, what was going on there? Did, is this it was were they trying to get him a little bit more involved, and maybe I don't know, was he feeling that a little bit more? I'm, I'm a big fan of Josh Reynolds, and and I know you are too, but he had a couple plays there that maybe went a little bit sideways on him. So what, what's uh, what do you think was going on there? Yeah, just I mean, you know. There's really no other way to, to, to call that other than a lack of concentration. When you're dropping catchable balls, it's usually related to concentration. We all know that he's got great hands. He's one of the, uh, you know, really good pass catchers in on the Rams, if not the NFL. So that, it's not a question of that. He just dropped a couple of easy balls, basically. Um, let's cut to that chase. Um, but on the other hand, you had Cooper Cup in there. Uh, seven catches, 46 yards. Um I mean, I, there were multiple third-down plays where he and Jared hooked up and, and kept the chains moving. And, man, you see that. And, and it's hard not to sometimes think about that Super Bowl. You know, you, you were mentioning some of the, some of the uh, concepts that they could have used and probably should have used against that Patriots defense. But, gosh, how many third-downs could they have used Cooper Cup in that game? And they just have he and Jared that kind of knack. Uh, on that down to make the big play and keep the chains moving. That certainly happened yesterday, so that's a really good sign. I think Josh will be all right, um, but he's got to pick it up. There's no no question about it. Uh, I thought Robert Woods was was good. Um, got open a couple of times. Jared missed him a couple of times. Still had eight car- eight eight you know receptions for seventy yards. You know I think the guy that kind of got lost a little bit um, was was Brandon Cooks. Uh, and again, there was there might have been one or two times where where uh, Jared overthrew him, uh, just wasn't decisive and accurate with the ball. Uh, but as I you know talking to Sean uh, after the game, I was like, man, it just seemed like kind of an inch here or an inch there, a second here or a second there. Um, and and that's usually when when it's when it's that finite, um, you got to figure they'll get that figured out. They'll they'll iron that out it's not like he was missing you know the side of a barn or anything like that him being jared um it was just a couple of you know a little bit high a little bit wide um not decisive uh type throws which when we you know we go back you mentioned the oakland raider game last year i'm looking at those stats and i'm thinking that kind of looks a little bit like that that oakland game the, the stats that that jared have i don't think he threw 39 times in that game, and that's that's way too many anyway. I don't I don't like Jared Goff throwing 39 times in any kind of a game, um, so that that needs to come down. Uh, but I think he'll be fine, and I think that Josh Reynolds will be fine. He does have to pick it up, but um, you know it was, it was one of those they were kind of stuck in mud a little bit. They just couldn't get a rhythm going. Um, but as good teams do, they figured out a way to win and hold on. Um, so you know that's that's a good thing. And I thought I saw. You know, some really promising things, um, you know, from the defense. Uh, some young guys really stepped up, and, and I know that we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Although Aaron Donald didn't whatsoever, and he was not happy afterwards, I could tell you that. He was he was upset, not with the team. He loves the fact that they were able to win, but he was not happy with his performance whatsoever, which is probably scary for the next opponent. Yeah, I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't want to be in that position, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I had those stats up, Vinny. I mean, last year against Oakland, 18 of 33 uh, 233, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. So, you know, maybe a little bit more. What was the rating? Do we? Uh, that game was 97.2, and uh, he was lower. Okay, so he played way better. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it was, but, you know, it compared to, it was one of his, 
frankly, you know, one of his worst games last season in terms of yeah. uh, completion percentage and, and yardage and that sort of thing. So not one of his better games and a little bit of a straight line comparison there. I, I mean, you look at quality of opponent, you know, going to Carolina, like you just talked about going on the road all the way across the country, humid middle of the day. Uh, you haven't played in the preseason versus going to Oakland. I think that was a night game, right? And, uh, yes. you know, a little bit different. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Oakland not being probably the quality of opponent that Carolina was. So I, I don't see that as being totally dissimilar in terms of uh, what those two games look like. And, you know, frankly, I didn't I didn't see anything from Jared against the Panthers that, that made me go, uh-oh, you know, this is going to be big trouble. Uh, he just he looked a little bit off. He didn't look, quite look like the same kind of confident, you know, kind of gunslinger maybe that he usually is, you know, identifying those guys and, and really taking his shots when they were there. But that's fine. He didn't, you know, they won the game. He didn't do anything to, to cost them the game. He had one interception, and, you know, they, they overcame it. So, um, I, th- I think it's fine and, uh, you know, a decent first game and it's something to build on, right? I mean, that's, that's what it's all about is you want to get the win out of there and and uh, you, you want to have something to, to look back on the tape and say, well, that's what I can do better next time. Yeah, and, you know, even uh, in, in talking to Jared, um, one of the things that, that he mentioned, and obviously he was asked, hey, do you think not playing in the preseason, da 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 was that – a big factor and he's like you know I, I can't say that it was because no matter whether you're playing in the preseason or training camp the speed the 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 focus the everything is just jacked up so much more even from just a regular even from the pre a preseason game to a regular season game those are two completely different animals it doesn't look the same it doesn't even smell the same i don't know you know it's just it's it's two different worlds so for everybody um it just is going to take, you know, it takes a little while to get to get readjusted to the speed of the game and, um, you know, the intensity of a, of a real football game. And especially, you know, uh, you know, the, the getting hit part, knowing that you can get hit and you're not, you know, wearing your red jersey out there, uh, not, you know, being protected. And so there's just an adjustment to be made. And I, and I think you, you can say this in college football all the way to the NFL. It's just... It's sort of just how it plays out. And I looked across the league. Yeah, there were some pretty big-time quarterback performances, but there were pretty, some pretty lousy quarterback performances uh, you know, uh, this, this first week as well. So uh, nothing terribly to get alarmed uh, at. If he had played like a Mitchell Trubisky, um, <laughs> then I would be a little bit worried, but he didn't. You know, It wasn't that kind of a bad performance. It was just an off, a little bit off type of a performance. And Jared's shown that he can he can close that gap and, and, and get back on track. Yeah, I agree. You talk about quarterbacks who, you know, weren't that good around the league. I, I didn't think Cam Newton was that great today. And, oh, and I know yeah. we want to talk about the Rams defense, so maybe a good way to, to transition into that. Uh, Cam's his numbers weren't too bad. I mean, 25-38, 239, zero touchdowns, one pick. Uh, he, I, on a handful of plays that I can remember overthrew his guys or, or, you know, threw it over their heads or whatever it might be. So you talk about somebody who looked a little bit off or, or not quite as sharp as he normally is. I think you could put Cam Newton in that category too. So again, quarterback in his first game, probably not going to be what a quarterback in his eighth or ninth game is. So you probably put him in the same category as Jared in those ways. Uh, but the Rams defense, you said it earlier, Vinny, I agree completely. They got stronger. There were there were things that I saw earlier in the game that made me kind of raise my eyebrows a little bit, but they got them corrected. I think 
facing Christian McCaffrey is one of the most difficult things you can do on a football field because of what that guy can do just as an individual, uh, the skill set that he has. I can't I can't imagine very many other players in the NFL who I'd you know rather scheme against less than McCaffrey. I hope I said that right. He's the he's one of the yes. scariest guys. Let's put it that way, uh, because of the <laughs> things that that he can do. And and he didn't disappoint. Uh, 128 yards on the ground, uh, 81 receiving, and got in the end zone twice. So he did what he does. But the Rams defense did what it does a lot too. Forced a couple of big turnovers. You got another one of those early game turnovers that reminded me, Vinny, of, of 2017 when they remember when they had that run, that ridiculous run of like seven out of eight games or something like that, where they forced a turnover on the other team's first possession. And it, that brought back to mind yeah. uh, today. And then the fourth quarter uh, where you know the game gets a little tight. You think things might be getting a little hairy there. Uh, Jared throws that interception early in the fourth quarter. And then what does the defense do? Three and out, makes Carolina punt. Uh, the Rams score to go up 10. What does the defense do? Come back out. Corey Littleton gets that interception to basically seal the game. So that's a Wade Phillips thing, right? I mean, it's you can, you can sometimes look at the first quarter and go, oh, geez, you know, what's going on here? And then a lot of times by that fourth quarter, they've, they've figured it out. And, and that's really how it looked to me. Yeah, and and you know when you just uh, you know uh, kind of explain that that sequence in my mind, I'm thinking that's what good teams do. You know, the defense made the three stops, the offense redeemed themselves to you know get a, a touchdown to to go up you know uh, by two scores, and then you know another another interception by the defense, kind of a you know um, I don't even know exactly what Marcus Peters did to get the penalty, but that hurt right there, um, the unsportsmanlike or taunting penalty, which. Took him out of, you know, they were, what, the 10-yard line or so off the pick by Corey Littleton, so that pushed him back. Uh, that hurt him. But, yeah, uh, go, you know, you, when you go back to the defense, and, oh, by the way, they did had to do a lot of that without Eric Weddle. They're, they're, uh, I know he's just in his first year in his first game, and it's kind of crazy to say this, but he's one of their big leaders, and he calls the defense, gets guys lined up uh, in, in the right place. And I thought that, you know, shortly after his departure, um, you know, they were a little bit, sketchy there for a little while there was a lot of thing not finger pointing but move over here you know like as players are getting ready to be snapped guys running into position and you know john johnson you know looking around to find out why you know marcus peters might be over there not covered you know so there was a lot of hey we need to get back on the same page here and they worked their way through that uh, and a lot a lot a lot a lot of credit to young taylor rap man <laughs> that dude right. can play yeah. Um, comes in, gets eight tackles, four solo. I mean, every time I really love that the way that guy tackles. Uh, you know, people sometimes get mad when you know a safety gives up a, a short pass, or you know they think they're just supposed to break everything up or intercept it or not allow it. But it's not so much that. It's okay. The guy catches it, take him to the ground right there. He guys don't usually go very far once they catch the pass. So far uh, with with Taylor Rapp on the on the on the field, he's physical. A really, really good tackler that showed um, yesterday. Marquis Christian also came in and had a had a really good game with five tackles. Uh, so, the, so, so your backups came in and and kind of saved the day and settled the ship uh, when your when your leader goes out. Um, and that's always a good thing when you can get contributions off the bench, especially in an emergency situation like that. Corey Littleton was just unbelievable. Fourteen tackles, eight solo, uh, two pass defense. 
passes defended. Um, so he's he's right back on track. John Jackson, or excuse me, John Johnson, uh, eleven tackles, six assists, uh, one tackle for loss. He's right where he needs to be. So uh, a, a really good day for the uh, for the defense on a whole. Like you said, Christian McCaffrey. Good luck defending that dude. I mean, I'm saying 128 yards. I'll take it. That's right. he didn't kill you. He didn't go off. You know, he has a he can go off on people. And so 120 yards, as crazy as that sounds, that's like keeping him under control a little bit. So, um, so you know, a, a, a pretty good defensive game plan. Took a little while for them to to kind of get it all smoothed out, but I thought they executed it really well. And by the end of the game, they were. You know, they kind of had to hang in there uh, toward the end of the game. I saw a lot of tired Rams out there, kind of not wilting, but feeling the effects of the heat. Uh, But but they made enough plays to to win the game, and especially in the middle there, uh, that third quarter, uh, I thought they they, they came to play and that showed. Yeah, all those guys you mentioned I I thought were were really good. Um, John Johnson, I I know you mentioned him, but another shout-out to him. I saw him making plays and just being so aggressive and making smart plays, too. Not being reckless with what he was doing, but being very smart and, and making good plays. So, uh, a lot of a lot of good things to, to take away there. But we mentioned it in passing, Aaron Donald, and it's ultimately it's the compliment to him because oh, yeah. when we sit here and say that Aaron Donald was quiet, uh, the the bar is so high from from an individual standpoint. He got one tackle, he got one QB hit, not a sack, but but got a hit on the quarterback. And that was it. Now, we know, and we've heard this from coaches, teammates, anybody who's been inside that Rams building, it's not always the stats that Aaron puts down because what those stats don't show is the number of double teams or sometimes even triple teams that that he takes on that even if he's not making the play, it gives somebody else that extra five feet of room or that extra half second to get around the corner and make a play. So did we see that a little bit when we talk about, you know, somebody like Clay Matthews coming off the edge or Dante Fowler, whatever the case may be? Uh, you said Aaron was mad. I'm, I'm curious, you know, what, what the takeaway is there and how much of it was that? I mean, did it, was Aaron a little bit off or was it just that other teams focus on him so much that he, they're just not going to let Aaron Donald beat them and, and maybe it does open some things up for some other guys? Well, it certainly did for uh, Dante had two sacks. Clay had, had one sack. Um, you know, uh, they they – you know, got to the quarterback a little bit and, you know, were able to, to force Cam into some, you know, uh, quicker throws and got him to the ground a couple of times, three times. Uh, but, you know, when, when you talk about Aaron, I, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Airplane uh, when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar oh, yeah. had, a, had a, yeah. I remember he tells the, ki- the kids, like, you're, my dad says you're, you know, whatever, lazy or something like that. He's like, yeah, let me tell you, tell your dad to drag, you know, Bill Walton up and down the court for 48 <laughs> minutes. And I, and I think of that. With Aaron, because it, it's all about how he gets blocked sometimes. I mean, they were double, triple teaming him uh, on Sunday, and it's just his life. That's his life, man. And um, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna, he'll get his, of course. Uh, but it can get pretty, pretty frustrating if you're, if you're Aaron Donald and constantly, constantly seeing that kind of blocking coverage. And the, the Panthers were basically said, he's not going to beat us. We'll let anyone else beat us on the, on the Rams, but we're going to make sure 
that 99 um, is 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 you know not not a factor. Although ironically, when you say that he's not a non-factor and make him the focal point, then he becomes a factor because then now he's such a factor that other guys are able to to roam a little bit freer uh, and go make go make plays, and that's what happened today. So um, you know his the attention that he draws. Uh, is bound to benefit you know other guys on the team uh, but I, I know that and he's happy about that he's happy for them you know Aaron um, and that's genuine uh, but he holds himself to really high standards and uh, I don't care. he doesn't care if he's getting blocked by three guys or four guys uh, in his mind he's got to go make plays and he didn't in his eyes uh, yesterday and he was not you know too happy about that so I think that um, you know, there's a lot of motivation going into the next game. But we've also seen Aaron kind of start slow. Uh, you know, uh, he kind of gets in, he kind of works his way into a, a rhythm. And when he does, you know, God help the rest of the NFL because he's a terror at that point. Um, so I'm wondering if that, you know, a little bit of that played into it as well. Right. Uh, I, I don't expect that will last. I don't expect we'll be talking about this again uh, very often. But uh, the last thing I'm curious about here on defense, Vinny, you, you mentioned Eric Weddle, and <laughs> it was quite startling to see him take off his helmet uh, after that play. I, I, You know, you can kind of chuckle about it because it, it seems like he's okay. But, you know, Vinny, they were running throughout the broadcast these WWE SmackDown uh, promos, and, and this is coming to Fox, and I'm like, this is quite a tie-in, you know. I don't know how they managed to do this, but they managed to get Eric Weddle to bleed all over the place while they're uh, pr- promoting this pro wrestling. So I, I had somebody ask me on Twitter, "How does that even happen? Like, how are you? How do you wear a helmet with a bunch of padding in it and end up, you know, almost bleeding out on a football field?" I, I'm not trying to joke too much about this because I'm I'm glad the man is okay, but it was very startling to to see that. Did, did he? I know you don't really talk to. Per, per team policy, you don't really talk to injured players after a game, but did you get any sense of, of what exactly happened there? And is he okay? He, you know, he's in concussion protocol. Um, he looked, I mean, I, I um, hesitate to even say this. Um, he looked, he looked, he looked better than I thought he was going to look when I saw yeah. him in the locker room afterwards. And I've seen, uh, you know, guys, you know, in that situation who, you know, have the, glossy-eyed look and you know you know that oh gosh you know uh, go get better you know uh, um, Eric today looked looked better than that um, so but we'll have to wait and see but yeah I, I sometimes you know I he got knee, it looked like he got need on the replays that I saw he got need yeah. um, it was one of those quick kind of things which is dangerous as all get out because uh, those you know bodies are moving so f- incredibly fast down there um, uh, you know, so so there's power. There was power uh, in that knee to the to the side of his head. So I'm just wondering if maybe part of the you know there's not that there's sharp edges on the padding inside the helmets, but there's you know enough that if you if you uh, catch it at the right time with the right velocity and force, I could see that it could 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 draw blood. It could it could cut. It's kind of like um a, a, almost like a boxing glove if you have if you. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you if you punch it and and you know maybe the thumb part is sticking up a little bit, if it catches the, you know a, a part of the skin in the right the right way, it could it could cause a cut. I'm assuming that's what happened. I don't think that any part of McCaffrey's body uh, or knee or leg got you know got through the face mask no. or anything. I didn't see that part of that. So it had to have been just the force of the of the knee to the head caused part of the padding to kind of dig a little bit deep into his skin and open up a pretty, pretty, you know, uh, uh, at least a cut that drew a lot of blood. 
Right. I'm glad to hear he's okay. And I have to say, I hope I never get any firsthand knowledge of, of how that happens. I, I can think I can live the rest of my life without uh, finding out yes. exactly how that happens. One other thing, Vinny, I want to ask you really quick uh, before we wrap up. We saw some special teams uh, issues. Johnny Hecker had a punt blocked for the first time, uh, according to uh, Pro Football Reference, the website. They said it was the first time since 2014. And he had one early on that I'm, I'm not sure. I think it got tipped, or if it didn't get tipped, he, the guy got really, really close to it and maybe impacted Johnny a little bit. Uh, that's not something we've seen. Uh, in fact, that's been a clear, clear strength of the Rams over the last couple of years. I, I have a feeling that'll be something you guys uh, bring up during the course of the week. But did, did you see anything there, or did you hear anything that would indicate uh, what might have happened there? Well, um, you know... W- just the entire, it, it just, it was weird. And sometimes other teams just, you know, either have a knack or have your number or uh, got your got your snap count or whatever or, or have schemed up a good scheme for, for your, uh, for what you're trying to do. But for whatever reason, the Panthers were on that all game. So that, that punt getting blocked, while it was a surprise that it happened because, you know, obviously he doesn't get punts blocked, it wasn't necessarily a surprise given how they were kind of getting close earlier in the game so um in the in the grand scheme of things yes shock but in the in the smaller picture of what was happening on sunday not that big of a shock because they were on it for some reason and i'm sure the rams will go try to figure out was it something that were we we tipping something were we not blocking something correctly do we need to change up our cadence a little bit because they were getting a good uh, uh, you know a good head full you know uh, uh, head head of steam getting upfield to get to our our kicker so uncharacteristic uh, incredibly so. Um, you just don't see that with the Rams and, and, and John Fossil's special teams. And it couldn't have happened at the worst time or the worst place. I mean, it set the Panthers up at the 10-yard line, um, and they, they quickly scored a touchdown. So those are things that you can ill afford to have, especially on the road. They were able to survive it. But, yeah, they're going to look at the film. Uh, and I, I did talk to some coaches afterwards, uh, you know, cut coming through the uh, getting to the elevator and they were they weren't happy about it um, but they were like man they were kind of they were honest t- uh, today for some reason so it'll be something that they look at and it'll be interesting to see if they do anything differently or just block it better come Sunday against the Saints. Good way to end there Vinny because uh, it's a good reminder that the other teams sometimes do things well too and uh, we you know we talk yes. about some of the negatives Maybe about certain players, but uh, you know, even in defeats, give credit to Carolina. They played a good game. They were, uh, you know, right in there till the end, and uh, the Rams come out with a win. And I'm sure we'll run with that and look ahead to the Saints, as will we. Uh, we'll be back with you on Friday to to preview what should be a fantastic game. Really looking forward to getting out and and watching that game. You know, every one of these Rams-Saints games has been amazing over the last two years. So expect nothing less at the Coliseum. Uh, Thank you, everybody. Uh, Again, you know how to find us on Twitter, I think. But uh, Vinny is at Vinny Bonsignor. I am at Rich underscore Hammond. Thanks for all your feedback and and support. Uh, We encourage you to to follow us, rate us on iTunes, you know, give your comments and reviews about the podcast. I've seen a couple on there and uh, really grateful for those, for your kind words. And thanks for listening. And Vinny, uh, safe travels back to Los Angeles. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you later in the week. Awesome. Uh, thank you, Rich. And, and I echo your sentiments to our, our uh, faithful listeners. Thank you very, very much. And that's from the bottom of our hearts. We truly, truly appreciate that. Uh, and I'm 
completely fired up about the Saints because uh, I, I don't know there was some kind of a big play last year, Rich. I something I got to go look at my notes. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go look at my notes and I'll I'll have I'll, I'll remember it by Friday. Um, something big happened the last time they played. So you, you look at those notes, you, you know, maybe, maybe go get a bowl of gumbo with uh, Marcus Peters and Sean Payton, and uh, we'll be back with you on Friday. So thanks again, everybody, and we'll talk to you then. All right. Have a good one.